Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. What's the opportunity for bipartisanship and collaboration to win out over bitter opposition and argument? I mean, the real opportunity talk about all the time the ways that that could happen, but the divides between us grow larger and deeper. Today, we're going to talk about the so-called power of and, which is the theme of this year's Mackinac Policy Conference. Can it happen? Will it happen? That's all next on Detroit Today, but first the news from NPR. WDET's live broadcast of Detroit Today from the 2023 Mackinac Policy Conference is made possible by the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. Welcome to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm your host, Stephen Henderson, and I'm always glad that you've decided to join us. So if I were to ask you what the biggest problem is in our politics these days, what would you say? Not too hard to guess, is it? Polarization. It'd probably be number one, or at least among the top three that most people would choose. And that's because for a lot of us, it feels like it is so much harder to get things done with people we don't agree with nowadays than it has been in the past. But if so many of us actually recognize that and believe that it's an issue, How come we're not able to actually fix the problem? We all say we want collaborative solutions to problems. Who among us doesn't think we couldn't get more things done if only the other side would just come to the table, honestly consider our perspective with a willingness to get things done? But how many of us who say we want bipartisanship and collaboration are really just saying that we want the other side to give ground, to give in, while we hold steady. Collaborative and bipartisan policy inherently, for some, means not getting what you actually want. Critics would tell you that polarization is something positive because it provides the public with clear choices, and makes it easier to understand the positions of policymakers and hold them accountable. For these critics, compromise is not really appropriate because a compromise solution is sometimes barely a solution at all. But what if there was another way? This year's Mackinac Policy Conference will focus on collaboration. Specifically, the theme of the conference is the power of and, proposing that considering a yes and approach as opposed to an either or approach can bring polarized sides closer together to produce nuanced thinking and problem solving that can be applied to some of our state's greatest policy challenges. But is this even viable? What does collaboration and bipartisanship even look like in 2023? In an ever more polarized world, can we even find common ground to work with people we might not agree with to accomplish things that people on all sides could find some value in? Or is the time of policymakers, business leaders, and the public in general better spent in an adversarial posture where one idea wins out over the others without compromise. 
A little later in the show, we're going to sit down with the chair of the 2023 Mackinac Policy Conference and the president and CEO of the Detroit Regional Chamber of Commerce to learn why they think a collaborative approach is the best way for Michigan to move forward, for Michigan to prosper. But before that, I'm joined by J.D. Rackey. He is the Director of Legislative Studies at the Sunwater Institute, where he leads its congressional reform program. He says research shows that not only are lawmakers who work in a bipartisan fashion more effective at advancing their policy agendas, that legislation that passed in a bipartisan way tends to be more durable. J.D. Rackey, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. So I want to start with you briefly explaining the concept of collaborative and bipartisan policymaking and why you think it's important in today's political landscape and why you think it's even possible, given the things that we see that divide us in so many ways. Yeah, so uh, uh, I definitely think that it is possible and not only possible, but it is necessary in our polarized uh, environment. Uh, I work for the House Select Committee on the Modernization of Congress, uh, which really dove into um, ways to make the legislature work better. And uh, the dynamics that plague Congress similarly plague the Michigan legislature um, in that uh, majorities are narrow um contested uh elections to control the future of the state or the nation are uh happening at increasing rates um and this puts the two parties at odds a lot right and makes both sides not want to give in um to collaborate uh or to work together on on problem solving but uh as you said from my blurb earlier uh research shows that actually the most effective lawmakers are the ones who work in a bipartisan fashion. They co-sponsor bills together. Um, they're able to get their legislation through the legislative process um, from start to finish uh, at, at higher rates than members who stick to their partisan camps. Um, and I would argue that, you know, the because of the slim majorities uh, and flipping back of chamber controls in various legislatures, it means that uh, tight majorities incentivize the tough fights, but they also require bipartisan buy-in to kind of get legislation done. So everything you said makes total sense to me, and I think it makes total sense to lots of people who are maybe less dug in to the idea that their side has to win all the time. But as I said in the open, there's lots of people who believe that giving up anything on their side uh, is, a is a sign of failure. Um, there are many people who believe that giving up and giving in to the other side means putting themselves uh, in a compromised position in terms of their rights, in terms of their protections. The stakes for all of this uh, among people who are not policymakers but who choose policymakers seems so much higher right now. So I wonder if you can address not just the merits, uh, the, the intellectual merits of the idea of doing it differently, but how you sell those merits to people whose motivations are really about self-protection in so many ways, and, and, and they deeply believe that. Uh, how can we even be how can we even be discussing this without thinking about where Americans stand and how fearful they are of losing what they have? Uh, yeah, I think that's a, a very important point. Um, it's one that you know, and talking to members, they, everyone has heard, you know, they say, I'm elected to fight. I'm elected to stand my ground for my constituents um, and, and support the beliefs that they elected me to support. Um, so I can't compromise. And when we talk about bipartisan legislating and collaborative legislating, it's not about any uh, particular member 
or, or party giving in on their beliefs, right? It's about facilitating a, a structure of the legislative process that allows um, legislators and representatives to feed and funnel that their thoughts and beliefs into policymaking. Um, and there's a, I can go into a, a lot of different ways to do that. Um, and, you know, it's important to point out that this type of lawmaking won't solve everything. It's not going to solve the debt ceiling or the immigration fight. But what working uh, on this type of legislation, this type of lawmaking environment does is expands the range of issues where negotiation is possible. And I, I kind of want to push back a little bit on the idea that collaborative lawmaking and it is necessarily um, giving in on your party's side or uh, or their solution. I think one of the ways to incentivize this work and and to get at it in a we're not trying to be bipartisan for bipartisan sake is you don't not leading with solutions. Instead, lead with problems. What are the policy problems that need addressed? And then digging into the nuances of those problems. Why do they exist? Where do they come from? And through that kind of collaborative process, um, solutions begin to emerge um, that don't necessarily have partisan lines um, or, or part parties haven't taken stances on them. So re leading with a problems uh, approach rather than a solutions approach. Hmm. I'm talking with J.D. Rackey. He is the director of legislative studies at the Sunwater Institute, where he leads its congressional reform program. We are talking about the idea that bipartisanship and collaboration might be a better approach to policymaking than the all-out combat that we see uh, so frequently in our politics these days. We're doing this as a preview of this year's Mackinac Policy Conference, uh, whose theme is the power of and. And the conference is going to be focused on the idea that we can get more done and get more done for more people by working in a collaborative way. We want to hear from you on the phones and on social uh, about this. Uh, do you believe that collaboration and bipartisanship is what Michigan and the country need, even if that means negotiating on some things you find deeply important? Have you been in a situation where collaboration led to better outcomes than strictly partisan approaches? Tell us what happened in that case. What key factors contributed to the success of those collaborations. The number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit today, and we can work you into the conversation uh, that way. Um, uh, JD, I, I want to talk about um, I want to talk about how we hold uh, policymakers accountable for this kind of thing, right? Uh, every time uh, I talk with somebody who is running particularly for a legislative seat, either here in Michigan or in Washington, they all say emphatically, you know, I'm going to go there and work to get things done. I'm going to reach out to the other side. I'm going to be different from so many of the other people who are in the legislature or in, in Congress, um, then they get there and reality hits. Sometimes it hits pretty hard. The expectations uh, of parties and leaders in those institutions really are that you get into lockstep uh, as, as a new member and uh, participate in you know, the, 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 the battle for, for your side. So how do individuals, how do voters uh, make sure that the idea of collaboration, if that's what we want, uh, wins out over these other really powerful forces, money, politics, party, all of those things that end up, I think, uh, influencing our elected officials far more than in some cases we can ourselves. Yeah, so I think um, there's kind of two things to tease out here. One is the 
rhetorical battle versus the actual lawmaking battle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so lawmakers, as you described, um, when they get to Washington, they have all these incentive structures from uh, party leaders, from the media, um, from constituents back home to fight a strong rhetorical fight. They can do that, but that doesn't mean they can't work together uh, at the lawmaking level. And one way to and to incentivize that and create more transparency in that, we fundamentally have to change kind of the data that uh, our legislative institutions put out so that members can show when they are working together uh, at the lawmaking level, even when they're fighting uh, kind of rhetorically and, and taking those strong policy positions. Um, so this would be things like uh, creating uh, dual co-sponsors of legislation um, or showing where when a member's individual uh, standalone bill was incorporated into a larger uh, omnibus package. These sorts of things that kind of incentivize the good legislative work so that uh, because then members can you know show the public, show their constituents, hey, no, I am working. I'm still taking strong positions and I'm fighting for what I believe in and what you sent me here to do. But when on the more nitty gritty stuff at the lawmaking level, we can actually, uh, I'm actually getting things done. So can you give us some examples of ways that you've seen this actually work? You served as professional staff with the House Select Committee on Modernization in Congress. And that committee passed several recommendations to assist with collaboration. So tell us about how that how that worked out. Yeah, so um, the committee was kind of a, an experiment um, and we kind of tried to practice what we preached in coming up with these recommendations. So some of the ways that we operated uh, kind of in a unique setting uh, is first off, we had six Democratic members and six Republican members. Um, most committees and legislatures have given advantage to the majority. We did not. Um, so everyone, everything worked on a bipartisan basis with a chair and co-chair. Um, we also had one committee staff, so I worked for both uh, the Republican members and the Democratic members in crafting our hearing agendas and coming up with policy recommendations um, rather than having partisan camps of staff. And then from the actual meetings themselves, you know, earlier I talked about leading with a problems based approach. We would have hearings that um, one, we did not use the dais. We all sat around the members and the witnesses sat at the same level around the table, alternating seating by party rather than having a Democratic side and a Republican side. Um, the thought behind that was, uh, you know, when you hear a good idea in a meeting, your human natural tendency is to lean over and talk about it with the person next to them. And we wanted to create an environment where uh, the members were leaning over and talking to members of the other party about an idea they had just heard um, rather than their own partisan cohort. Um, and then the kind of the biggest thing I think that we did was we dispensed of the five minute rule. Hmm. The five minute rule in committees in hearings is, you know, as everyone might have seen, is a member gets up on the dais gives a five minute speech that may or may not end in a question for a witness. Um, and it kind of, that kind of is then used as part of the rhetorical fight that we were talking about. Getting rid of that rule, allowing members to freely uh, exchange ideas and question witnesses and let witnesses tease out the full, um, their full thoughts rather than being limited in their ability to respond. Um, really allows uh, members to dig in to policy problems and get into all the nuances of an issue um, before ever even talking about solutions. Um, and so those are just some examples and we made recommendations that other committees adopt that. You know, we were a small committee, so we, we were able to do things like that. Larger committees that have 60, 70 members, that might not work for them, but maybe it works for a subcommittee. Um, and so that, I think that's an important point in that, you know, the solutions are largely known, mm -hmm. I think, uh, in, amongst people who want to make effective legislatures, 
um, but it's about right-sizing them for any particular environment you're in mm -hmm. and knowing that not every solution will work all of the time. Uh, Ed on Twitter says, compromise seems to be able to happen only when both parties can save public face. Uh, Boomi on Twitter says, one of the issues we have is bills being packed with things that don't pertain to the name of the bill. On top of this, we've got representatives voting on things that should be up to the people. If the government had more regular votes on big issues, uh, that'd be cool. Uh, what about that kind of structural reform, uh, J.D.? We've got a few minutes before we need to break. Uh, are, are those things we ought to be thinking about, too? Yeah, I mean, there have been proposals for you know decades now to have single-subject bills. Uh, the House Republicans have and in name anyway, implemented that uh, this Congress. Um, you know, I'm uh, less uh, optimistic about those kind of approaches. I think uh, the approaches that matter most are incentivizing good legislative work at the committee level where members can dig into things. Um, certainly uh, having fewer big bills uh, bundled together would increase transparency for the public. Um, but I don't know if it would necessarily make lawmaking better. Um, so the, the, there's trade-offs in, in, in any sort of tinkering with institutions, right? Um, and so that's one thing we have to think about. Do we want full public transparency um, on everything every member does? Or do we want to give our elected leaders a little bit of space to operate um, and do what we sent them to do and legislate? Um, and so it's kind of a, I'm 50-50 on it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, J.D. Racky, Director of Legislative Studies at the Sunwater Institute. Great to have you here for this conversation on Detroit Today. Thanks so much for joining. Thanks for having me. When we come back, we are going to sit down with the President and CEO of the Detroit Regional Chamber of Commerce, as well as the Chair of the 2023 Mackinac Policy Conference, to learn more about the power of AND and what they hope to accomplish up north this spring. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. Policy Conference is set to begin on Tuesday, May 30th, with attendees discussing and putting forth their ideas on the best way forward policy-wise for our state. The event is going to feature contributions from national figures like Liz Cheney and Mark Cuban and Fareed Zakaria to state and local policymakers and business leaders who will be there as well. With a varied array of leaders from across the political spectrum, the theme this year is going to focus on the power of and, inviting a dialogue on why the Detroit Regional Chamber believes Michigan needs an and approach instead of an either or to policy solutions. But what do they mean by the power of and? Is this an approach that has worked in practice, not just in theory, or is all of this just kind of wishful thinking? And how do they believe it could help Michigan? To help answer these questions and more, we're now joined by two guests who have a lot to do with the framing for this year's conference. Matt Elliott is the president of Bank of America Michigan and the chair for the 2023 Mackinac Policy Conference. Matt, welcome back to Detroit Today. Well, good morning, Stephen. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. And Sandy Barua is the president and CEO of the Detroit Regional Chamber. Sandy, welcome back to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. So, Matt, I'm going to start with you. What's your overview and goal for this year's Mackinac Policy Conference? Why was the power of Anne chosen as the theme? Well, you know, Stephen, the power of and is something that works for us at Bank of America. We call it the genius of the and, and it's frankly not a new concept. Um, if you uh, read a lot of leadership books, you'll if you read Jim Collins, you'll see a concept that he talks about as the genius of and, meaning that you can do things that 
seem to be in conflict with each other, but are things that are important to drive your long-term success. So, for example, at Bank of America, we talk a lot about purpose and profit, and we need both to be successful over a long period of time. And, and so my wife, Ann, and I, when we were th- thinking about um, uh, the theme, we really thought that this was a theme that resonated, you know, not just in a, in a business sense, but I think it resonates across the spectrum politically, socially. And that was what we wanted to, uh, to, to bring forward. And when we brought it to Sandy and uh, the rest of the chamber team, they really liked it. And frankly, there's been a lot of enthusiasm uh, and interest in exploring this theme. We're looking forward to it. So, Matt, talk to me about the kind of goals you have uh, for this year's conference and this and this theme. What does it mean to actually foster collaboration and bipartisan policymaking in Michigan? And what can be accomplished up north on Mackinac as we gather each year uh, to talk with each other about things? What what can what can actually happen uh, during during this week? You know, the, the biggest thing, Stephen, that we're talking about that Sandy and I and the rest of the team have been discussing is the need for a framework that survives the political season, that survives the crisis of the day, but a framework that gives us consistency and clarity over a long period of time. And we think that you need or we need an and approach to come up with a framework that works for everybody and is durable, okay, through cycles. So um, we're not naive enough to believe that we're going to walk off the island next Friday with that framework, but we think we can start the conversation and agree on the idea that and thinking is what wins. The or way of doing things doesn't move us forward. It actually limits your, your choices. And what we want to do is expand those choices and get to better choices. And that's what uh, this conference is going to be about. Hmm. So, Sandy, let's talk about the chamber's role in shaping policy discussions and outcomes in the state and why the power of and is, from your perspective, the right focus for the chamber and for the Mackinac Conference this year. Well, as a business organization, you know, the thing that businesses really look for is is stability and progress married together. And the either or approach that our political environment is in now and frankly has been in for a decade or more now uh, really isn't conducive to uh, stability and, and, and progress. We are not making uh, progress on some of our biggest opportunities and issues. Uh, we see our political environment, uh, frankly, take the easy way out in terms of catering to uh, the extremes on both sides. This is not unique to, to to one party. And that is just not helpful when we're trying to build an economy, when we're trying to build you know prosperous families and communities, when we're trying to you know really take advantage of this seismic shift. Uh, that is going on in technology, particularly related to, you know, our homegrown industries around automotive. Uh, And, you know, we're not adapting and uh, capitalizing on the opportunities fast enough because of this either or approach that that Matt has been talking about. And that's why the power of and, which is really kind of the next level thinking about compromise about how do, you know, when various parties come together, generally the overall goals are are aligned. It is just the avenues in which we achieve those goals where the differences occur. And when we are all focused on those differences and not kind of where we uh, are aligned, uh, you know, that really accelerates this either or thinking. So that's why we think the power of and uh, that Matt and Ann uh, came up with um, is resonating so, so well this year. So, Sandy, can you talk about some examples of successful collaboration between business and policymakers or between other interests here in Michigan um, that that kind of lead to the kind of things that you're talking about and, and again, serve as as models for this discussion up north? Well, you know, and just I can even bring that down to, you know, the role of the conference. 
Uh, you know, the Mackinac Policy Conference was, you know, one of the champions of the Gordie Howe International Crossing mm-hmm. uh, for years, right? That 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 <laughs> it took has a been minute, years. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it, it took a minute to 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 get to success on that, but the conference over the years really talked about, you know, how important this international crossing uh, was going to be. You know, uh, in a way, it was kind of an unstated power of and. Uh, the power of the U.S. and Canadian economies working together uh, to create a North American market. Uh, and that was a great example of, you know, something that the conference uh, played a key role in that 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 came to fruition. Uh, you can say the same thing about how the state came together at the Mackinac Policy Conference to put the final touches on the, the grand bargain uh, that got uh, Detroit uh, in in and through and out of the uh, municipal bankruptcy of a little over a, a decade ago. So there's a great history of the conference pulling together, you know, disparate players from different parts of the state, certainly from different political perspectives, uh, to be able to come up with and solutions. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking with Sandy Barua, who is the president and CEO of the Detroit Regional Chamber, and with Matt Elliott, who's president of Bank of America Michigan and chair for this year's 2023 Mackinac Policy Conference. We are talking about the conference, which is uh, set to kick off on Tuesday, May 30th on Mackinac Island. Uh, We're talking about the theme of the conference, the power of and, and the focus on collaboration and bipartisanship partisanship that will shape the days that uh, business and political leaders are up north on Mackinac Island uh, talking about the problems that we have here in Michigan and solutions for the future. I want to hear from you, our listeners, while we have this discussion. Uh, Give us a call. Let us know if you think collaboration is a good goal for this year's Mackinac Policy Conference. Why or why not? Do you have examples of things where collaboration benefited both or multiple sides of an argument. How did that happen? How did that come together? How did it push back against the current culture where uh, people really dig in to the side that they're on and often say, look, I'm not willing to compromise with uh, people who disagree? What do you think is the best way to get things done or more things done in our business and our politics here in Michigan. The number here on the phones, as always, is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and uh, we can work you into the conversation that way. Uh, Matt, I want to talk about some of the folks who will be up north uh, talking about all this. Of course, Many of our politicians and business leaders um, uh, always attend, but uh, there's always big names up north as well. This year, Liz Cheney, Mark Cuban, Fareed Zakaria, there are lots of them. Uh, talk about what those voices add to this discussion about the power of and. Well, Stephen, the, the reason we like to have national and global voices is to bring a perspective that's, you know, that's beyond our own state. Um, and you mentioned a, a great list of folks. Two other folks who will be there are Bill Ford, uh, who will talk about their and that they have going on mm-hmm. in, in Ford, which is we have to, they have to continue to build you know, internal combustion engine vehicles and plan for an electrified future. You know, um, And uh, they just had a very interesting investor day the other day to talk about that. I'm really proud about the fact that my CEO, Brian Moynihan, will be on the island. Um, I'm actually in New York today with, with Brian, and he's fired up to be there. And he'll talk about how we think about profit and purpose and how we think about the and in our organization and how we see that in the global stage that we as an organization uh, are on. I think Fareed Zakaria is going to bring a very interesting global perspective. Um, And um, among other things, Sandy has talked about how Liz Cheney will talk about her situation in an and context, which is she's someone who is a, as Sandy has said in the past, a conservative's conservative, but yet still can be that and uh, have respect for our rules and norms and laws. And, uh, and you can be both. And uh, those are things that we're going to explore on the island. And one of the things that we've talked a lot about, uh, the dialogue and the kind of conversation that we want on the island, is that we want it to be data-driven in some cases so that we all start with a, a, a common set of facts. 
we want there to be some constructive tension in the debate. So we're going to ask maybe some some questions that are that are a little bit tough to get at some some difficult conversations or get at some difficult issues. And we also want to come away with something that's actionable. Mm-hmm. You know, so often people go on go to the island, and you've been there, Stephen. Um, you know, you learn a lot and you talk a lot, but you know, unfortunately, sometimes that content doesn't make its way down I-75. And what we want to do is have every one of our panelists say, hey, here's one action that we all can take that will make a difference when we get home on Monday. Hmm. Um, And here's one metric we can use to measure progress. So we think as we aggregate all that together, we'll have a really good framework that we can start to build on. That's the goal. So, Matt, you said there's going to be an effort to lean into some of the tougher spaces uh, where this where this tension, I guess, exists. Uh, can you give us a little more information about that? Yeah. What what are some of the tougher issues from your, your standpoint? Well, you know, I think there are three that we list right out in the, um, uh, in, in, the in the conference guide. We talk about, for example, the push pull between sustainability and economic growth. We talk about the push pull between making investments in our future, but still being fiscally responsible. And we're going to talk about diversity and how diversity can actually help drive business performance. So I think there's a, a false narrative out there that means if, that says that if you're going to have diversity, then you may have to compromise on, on the quality of your workforce, for example. Mm-hmm. And actually, the opposite is true. Uh, and so we're going to we're going to tease out and, and have some conversations around all those uh, those topics up on the island. Yeah. Uh, Sandy, uh, you, of course, and your staff put together the list of folks who are going to appear up north. Uh, talk more about folks like Liz Cheney and Mark Cuban and uh, why why they play such a vital role at the conference. Yeah, we have been really gratified that over the years, the Mackinac Conference has been uh, really quite the attractive speaker venue uh, for these you know global uh, world-class Uh, speakers, but the common theme for uh, the speakers that we bring to the island, you know, regardless if they are based in Michigan or based on some other part of the globe, is that we're there to have a Michigan conversation. And as Matt said, uh, when we bring in these national speakers, you know, people like a Brian Moynihan or a Liz Cheney or, uh, you know, a Fried Zakaria, you know, it's really about taking that global perspective that they bring and applying it, uh, applying it to Michigan. So the you know the the business of selecting our speakers is is not a haphazard one. It, it is it is it is it is quite the science with a little <laughs> bit of art thrown into it. Okay, we're going to take another quick break, and when we come back, we'll continue talking with Sandy Barua, president and CEO of the Detroit Regional Chamber, and Matt Elliott, president of Bank of America Michigan and chair for the 2023 Mackinac Policy Conference. We'll be right back with more Detroit today. Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and thanks for joining each year here in Michigan. Business leaders and politicians and members of the media and all kinds of other interests go north to Mackinac Island for a week where they talk about the challenges that we have here in the state, all of the things that uh, we don't seem to be able to solve in our regular lives in Detroit or Grand Rapids or Lansing, and uh, they lock themselves away kind of for the week and really talk uh, in different ways about what those challenges are and what some of the solutions might be to those challenges. Uh, This year is, of course, no different. Uh, The Mackinac Policy Conference is set to kick off on Tuesday, May 30th. Uh, Matt Elliott is the president of Bank of America, Michigan, and the chair for the 2023 Mackinac Policy Conference. We've got him with us. Also with us is Sandy Barua, who is the president and CEO of the Detroit Regional Chamber. 
which puts on the conference. We're talking about this year's theme at the Mackinac Policy Conference, which is the power of and, the idea of collaboration, of bipartisanship, of working together to solve our problems instead of trying to beat each other into submission, which is probably a generous way of describing some of our politics these days. Uh, We want to hear from you as well about the conversation here. Uh, Do you believe that collaboration is a good goal for this year's Mackinac Policy Conference? Uh, Tell us why or tell us why not. Uh, Also give us some examples of how collaboration has benefited both or all sides of an argument that you were in. How did that happen? How did you manage to work together? Uh, Also, what do you think is the best way to get things done in business and politics? 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we can include you in the conversation. Let's go to Ann in downtown Detroit. Ann, welcome to the show. Yes, uh, thank you. Uh-huh. I'm very surprised I got in so quickly today. Thank you so much. <laughs> That's perfectly okay. Steven. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but anywho, I'm uh, curious about how the AND is going to work with contracts being let to African American professional service firms in the Detroit uh, atmosphere uh, of business. It's been an interesting cycle as a private design business owner in Detroit. Mm-hmm for over 20, 30 years. And it seems that the more higher up into the industries you go, the higher, harder it is to secure contracts, like specialized industries like engineering firms of color. Mm-hmm. How many do we have in Detroit? Let's do that stat study. <laughs> and so, why? Yeah. Uh, you know, those kinds of studies need to be had and put together by black marketing research firms first. And then we may be able to have a real serious plan of action versus a lot of talking every year we talk and talk and talk and talk. (laughs) And we talk about the DEI and we talk about the and, and I'm an and, and I'm like, what is it really that's going on here? (laughs) So just making up stuff because it sounds cute. Are we really trying to do this for real? Because I'm dealing with real people out here, real black concerns, black professional corporate level firms concerns. And we are just like this talking thing. We're mm. just so tired of it. Mm. We're just fed up. And it's time to try to change it or people are expatriating to Ghana to build their own land development project. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, let's and, just keep it real. And I, I'm not I, one of them shallow, smiley face people. I'm so sorry. But you know what? It's going to change because it's got to. Otherwise, we're not going to have an industry in America. And and I really appreciate the call and and the insight. And look, you're right. There's a lot of talk about DEI. There is a lot of talk about inclusion, uh, not just around the country, but right here in Detroit. And the outcomes don't look the way they should, period. Um, We're we're nowhere near uh, where we're supposed to be. So uh, first, Sandy, I'll give you a chance to, to answer Anne, about uh, what we do up north at the conference and how it relates to outcomes like this, right? Uh, Better access for African-American and uh, other uh, business interests that that have been locked out uh, since the beginning. What what is it that that we point to to say this is part of the solution, not just a discussion? Yeah, I, I mean, there's no doubt that the point that uh, caller Ann brings up is is absolutely accurate. Where you know the outcomes for either individuals, families, or businesses uh, of color uh, have uh, have a long way to go to reach uh, to re- to reach parity. And you know, this region is kind of a prime example. Uh, we should be a leader uh, in those areas, as opposed to uh, as opposed to not being uh, a leader. You know, the conversations up at the conference, you know, I think it's it's important to use the word conversation because we're not a policy-making body. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, these are you know these are business leaders, uh, but hopefully, what 
uh, happens and what happens frequently at the conference is those conversations turn into concrete actions. You have businesses that are business leaders that are interacting directly with senior levels of, of state government in particular, but also, you know, the mayor's always there. Uh, we're always delighted to have the mayor and many of his senior staff are there too. Uh, people like uh, Dennis Archer Jr., who is a former chair of, of the chamber are there. He hosts uh, sessions with black business owners, uh, with the mayor and other, uh, you know, state and local officials, uh, really to drive the point that Anne is trying to make, which is that, you know, we're not making enough progress. So hopefully, uh, and it's it's proven true in the past that these conversations do turn into, into actions. And I'll just reiterate what Matt said, um, is that, you know, this is one of the ultimate ands, right? I mean, you know, expanding, you know, you know, the diversity, of your employee base, of your customer base, of your supply base, makes you a stronger company with stronger outcomes. Mm. Full stop. Yeah, uh, Matt, uh, listening to Ann, I couldn't help but think of the role that banks and banking play in the problems that uh, she's talking about. So, you know, in addition to being the chair for this year's Mackinac Policy Conference, of course, uh, you lead one of the big banks here in Detroit. So uh, talk about uh, how we get to actual solutions, change that uh, that people like Anne and lots of uh, others of us here in Detroit need uh, and desperately want to see. Well, uh, Stephen, I think talking, hearing Anne sounds like me at home with my wife, Anne. <laughs> Very often we we are, we, we've come, come to Mackinac ourselves and come back and say, okay, what exactly did we get done? You know, uh, and like Anne, I'm, I get paid personally when things get done. You know, well, we, we really need to make sure that the ands of the world are successful because my organization can only be as successful as the communities and the clients that we serve. That's an or. It's not an or, it's an and. So how do we do that? You know, one of the things that is rolling around in my mind as Anne was talking is this idea of proximity, meaning do you understand the perspective of Anne's situation? And also, how are you going to get in a room with an Anne? Okay. How are you going to get in the room with her services? Um, that's one of the, I think, power, secret powers of the Mackinac Policy Conference is that you're able to have connections and collisions with people that you might not otherwise meet and you get a different perspective. As it relates to the situation with how we're not doing as well as we should in the African-American community and how we frankly need all, all members of our community, especially the African-American community, to succeed. Um, the Gallup Center for Black Voices will be on the island, will be presenting their first survey, providing some proximity and some context to everybody who may not have that experience firsthand. So that's one thing. And then as our organization, we think about how we go to market and how we help. Um, our, our job in some cases, Stephen, is to try to be a little unique or catalytic once we understand a problem. So I'll give you an example. Um, as we all know, uh, first-time home buyers uh, are a key part of driving any community forward. Um, home ownership in the city of, De of Detroit is not what it could be or should be. And so one of the things that we've done uh, is to drive forward a, a program that will allow a homeowner to get into a home responsibly without a down payment. And we are uh, focusing on census, census tracts that tend to be uh, majority minority. And as a result, we're going to drive uh, home ownership in communities of color through Detroit. And we're going to do that in a way that works for that homeowner, first and foremost. And then secondly, for us, you know, we win a new client and we deploy capital, which is our job. And so for us, that's a great example of a win-win. That's an and. Mm. And and I should note that uh, there's a familiar voice and face who will be leading some of that discussion about uh, about the Gallup uh, study in particular. I, I am the person that the chamber has asked to, to moderate that panel. So I'm really looking forward to having that discussion uh, about business and the way it interacts with these issues uh, as well. Sandy, that's something that, that here in Detroit we've been talking about forever. And of course, the chamber is is really focused on continuing that conversation and expanding it. Yeah, I'm really, really proud that the Detroit Regional Chamber, you know, took the initiative uh, to partner with the Gallup Center on Black Voices and bring their work 
uh, into the city of, of Detroit. The 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 the, uh, the annual survey that we launched uh, this year and the results, as you just mentioned, will be unveiled at the conference at the panel that that you will uh, that you will moderate. Uh, I think will be hugely important for for the city for us to really understand you know the 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 real lived experience of black americans uh in in our city that's never been done before and it's certainly never been done on, on an annual basis uh and i'm really glad we can be a, a key part of this yeah okay uh cindy barua and matt elliott it's uh, great to have both of you here we'll see you up on uh, the island, Sandy. Is there anything else uh, people should uh, should be looking forward to this year that's different or new? Well, the one thing I like to remind everyone is that you don't have to go to the island to experience uh, the conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, through our partnerships with the media, uh, every, you know, everything on that main stage is streamed live. You can go to our website or Detroit Public Television's website uh, and and look up you know past uh, past sessions if you missed it. Um, so you know, there's really no veil on the conference, and it's accessible to all. Okay, uh, Sandy and Matt, uh, congratulations on uh, what uh, people experience up north at the Mackinac Policy Conference, and thanks for being here with us on Detroit Today. Thanks, thanks for having us. Okay, that's going to do it for us today. Come back tomorrow when we are going to sit down with Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison to discuss his Detroit roots and his new book, Break the Wheel. Ending the Cycle of Police Violence, Uh, one of my favorite people to have here on the show uh, to talk about uh, the racial divide in America, racial violence, and the role that uh, the legal community and that law enforcement can play in changing that narrative. Detroit Today is produced by Sam Corey and Nick Austin. Our technical director and engineer is Matthew Trevethan. Student producers are Mira Kumar and Taylor Davis. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.